Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk all about AEW and NXT. The good and the bad. One thing we talk about is the lost art of selling in pro wrestling. Is it a lost art or are we the old men in the room? Also, some good things that happened on both shows, especially Ricky Starks, a former guest on Get Yourself Over Monday, against TNT champion Cody Rhodes. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Let's do it. Let's because, do it. <clears throat> because the conversation that was taking place in the past 10 minutes is uh, needs to carry over right now because uh, otherwise we're going to lose the steam, lose the energy, uh... You, we, let's get this out of the way. Did you like right. the shows last night? Did you like I did. the shows? I, you know what? You know what, Bully? I, I, enough. Because, yes, of course we like the shows. We always like the shows. NXT and AEW are the two best shows of the week in pro wrestling. It's so much better than Friday, so much better than Monday Night Raw. Let's get through all that because we say that each and every week because it's the truth. But I'm going to let me start this off if it's okay, Bully. Because I, I got a little, uh, and you know what? I know people are probably going to go to social media and say, well, you, you know what, LaGreca, now you just proved you're the old man in the room. And maybe I am. But I feel like I have to say this for the sake of my love for professional wrestling and my love for doing this show and my appreciation for how these performers bust their ass each and every night when they're in the ring. I'm watching AEW and I'm watching NXT. And I'm going to use these two examples, Bully, as kind of like my springboard into the conversation. The opening tag match that we saw with AEW, exciting match, a lot of action, no doubt. And then the women's tag match that we saw at the end of NXT. Again, very exciting, you know, nonstop action, you know, can't kill it, but... I am going to have to do that to start off today's show. First, when it comes to the AEW tag match, uh, a lot of things that really bothered me. Um, Bully, you bring it up about the officiating and the, or the non-officiating that we get sometimes in these tag matches. And I think last night was another example of it. You know, you know, Q, uh, QT Marshall has Kenny Omega uh, for the cover. D- Dustin Rhodes is still in the ring. The referee's still going down for the count. You know, always, you know, you know, the legal man should be in the ring and the other guy has to get out of the ring. 
Um, I, I don't know. On a couple of different occasions during a match, I don't even think there was a tag. Like, I'm watching. I'm actually rewinding. I go, was there a tag? Who's I, I, I can't keep track of who's the legal guy and who's not the legal guy. And honestly... You know, a lot of people have been throwing out Jim Ross's name the last couple weeks about what he's been saying on commentary, especially when it comes to the tag matches. And you can kind of tell his frustration a little bit. You can't, I can't. I, I would find it almost impossible to commentate a tag match right now in AEW because it's really hard to figure out who's the legal and who's not the legal guy in the ring. And then also social media. And again, this is maybe where Bully. I'm I'm the old man in the room, and I'm sorry that I'm going to bogart a little this time, but I have to get, I have to get this out. Like I'm on social media, and I'm I'm seeing a lot of these dirt sheet writers, okay, these quote unquote journalists that cover professional wrestling, saying, you know, Dustin Rhodes, boy, he looks slow. He shouldn't be in this type of a match. He's slow. Slow? No, he's not slow. Dustin Rhodes isn't slow. He's selling. I don't know. When you take a forearm to the face, you don't just move your head to the right and then immediately move it back to the left. No, you sell. you drop to a knee or you fall backwards. You sell. You, you, when you get kicked in the stomach, you sell it. I mean, Dustin was not slow last night. He was selling. That's called selling. And then I want to go to just really quick, Bully, before you go. I just want to vent a little bit here. Go to the main event. Again, exciting match. I thought a great ending to the match. I, I, it was intriguing. But I really can't tell you anything else that happened in the match because it's a blur because Which nobody knows how Which to sell. Main event? Which main event? AEW and, and NXT? NXT. And NXT, okay. the women's tag match. I'm sorry. I'm watching, that, I'm watching that, and it's a blur because get, nobody sells anymore. It's almost anticipation for the next move. All right, I'm going to do this. Then I'm waiting here. I'm, 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 I take a pause because I'm waiting what I need to do next to react to what you're doing. It's not a fight. It's not a wrestling match. It's almost like a choreographed ballet. And I know people are going to say, God, you sound like Cornette. Well, in this moment, maybe Cornette is right about this particular thing. Now, and the other thing I want to bring up, and it's something that you've brought up too, Bully, is the dive to the outside. Like, we saw, we saw it last night, you know, with Sachi Blackheart. She's on the top rope, and then she, you know, she jumps to the, to the floor outside. And, you know, you talk about that's very risky. The timing's got to be right, you know. It's unnecessary because it's not the finish to a match, so why are you doing it anyway? I'm going to throw something else in there that you didn't even mention, Bully, that I, I noticed not just last night but continuously. It looks like shit. It really looks like, if you really break it down, it looks like shit. Somebody's on the top rope. I'm jumping to the outside. And you have their, the two opponents standing side by side, looking up, waiting to catch that person. It, it, it's not an exciting move to me. I know the audience goes, ooh, because I, I, I don't know. It's a reactionary. Oh, but it looks like fucking shit because they're Remember, standing hey, side by side. Stop, stop for a second. Remember the caller? that called in the other day and said that in Orton versus Edge, the two shots from underneath that lasted one second apiece took him out of that whole masterpiece of a match. Yep. Things like you just described take me out of almost every match. Standing around and w watching talent 
waiting on the floor for somebody to dive. If you go back and you watch where a, a, a suicide dive or a, you know or whatever whatever dive you want to call, if you go back and you look at the oranges origins of the dive and why the dive was done, the dive was done out of desperation. The dive was done because somebody was on the floor and there was a desperate guy in the ring who needed to hit an offensive move. Thus, he would throw his body into harm's way and do the suicide dive. The dive's not meant for people on the floor to watch other people climb to the top rope just so they can jump on them. Yeah, Dave, continue. No, and you know what, Bully? If you're, if you're saying you're playing for the oohs and the ahs of the crowd, all right, I'll buy it. It's but there's no crowd the right now. It's called working for the pop. And but unfortunately, no pop. <laughs> correct. No, there is a pop. Oh, there's a pop. And the pop that the talent is working for means more to the talent than the pop in the arena. Don't you know what they're, which pop they're working for? What's that? They're working for the Twitter pop. They're working so after their match is over, they can go on Twitter and stroke themselves because people are saying, oh, my God, did you see that dive? That dive was so great. I'd be a lot more impressed if people were going on social media and saying, wow, did you see that person sell? That was awesome. They made me believe. Keep going. And no, you know what, Bully? You just you just said something that sent shivers down my spine. Believe. Believe that is, you know, if, if, if I was somebody that I was talking to wrestlers, that would be the first word I would tell them, make them believe, make everything believable, make that audience really believe that you just got punched in the face or kicked in the gut. Believe a lot of what I'm watching, and this isn't just a knock on AEW and NXT, but a lot of what I'm watching in pro wrestling is just not believable. It was always based on believability. I'm sorry, but you're right, Bully. Like, you want to take me out of a match? So show me two wrestlers outside the ring just standing there side by side with their arms extended, looking up, waiting for somebody to jump on them. I mean, and now, Bully, if that happened every once in a while, okay, kind of cool looking. It happens every single night. We see that every night. We see that same move. And I and it looks like crap. It doesn't look believable. It doesn't add anything to the match. And for the safety of the performers in the ring, as Bully said last week, it could be dangerous. All it takes is for one person to be out of position and there could be an injury. For what reason? And again, right now, you're not, like you just said, the pop from social media. I don't even think you get a pop from social media anymore because you see it so frequently, bully. What word lies in the middle of believe? There's a very important word that is actually in the middle of the word believe. What is it? What? It's, it's lie. Believe is spelled B E. L-I-E-V-E, believe. In the middle of believe, there is a lie. What does pro wrestling do to you every time you watch it? They lie to you. Pro wrestling lies to you. 
Pro wrestling is just like a magical act. There's no difference between pro wrestling and going and watching Penn and Teller or David Copperfield or any of the greatest magicians. We are lying to you. But in lying to you, what do we, what do the best of the best make you do? They make you believe. They make you believe. I'm tuning into wrestling these days and I'm watching the lie and nobody is making me believe. Actually, let me, let me press pause for a second. Randy Orton and Edge make me believe. <clears throat> they make me believe every single thing that they do. And they make me believe because they do two things that are becoming a lost art form. And I don't know why it's becoming a lost art form. And hopefully one day somebody's going to decide to put their foot down and say, start doing more of this. It's called registering and selling. You know, when I found out that AEW had grabbed guys like Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, uh, I believe Jerry Lynn is over there, Billy Gunn, all of the veterans who thoroughly understand <clears throat> what registering and selling means to a match. I was like, wow, that's really good for this younger talent because somebody is going to be able to instill in them the importance of registering and selling and the psychology of a match and why it is okay to do all the moves you want to do. Just put them in the right spot and just register and sell them correctly so you get maximum mileage out of these moves. Ain't none of that shit happening. Right now, the reason, listen, we started the show with, did you like AEW and NXT? Yes, I like them too. Why? Because at the end of the day, they're entertaining. Why is AEW entertaining to me? Ah, they make me laugh. It's a giant car crash. I get it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's entertaining. It was a fun two hours. That's what it's meant to be. That that's really all that matters. But within the bodies of the match and the psychology, man, they're losing me. It's like a giant run on sentence. Well, and, and, and here's the thing. There are certain things that I do love and we'll get, we're going to get into a second because there are certain matches from both shows that I think things are being done the right way. But man, these, these, some of these matches bully, all it takes is selling. Like, I don't understand why you have to go 110 miles an hour. I, I, I said, that's all they know how to do. That's all they know how to do. That's all they were trained to do because they are, because young wrestlers work for the pop. That's all they work for. But here's the but here's the danger that there is nothing special about it and that all the matches are starting to look alike to me. Like, you know, you know, um, and I, Tommy and I did our list of, of, of greatest matches. And, and one of the matches that I thought that was most recent that we saw at Double or Nothing uh, last year was Dustin and Cody. Why? Because the story going in, but not even just the story going in, what they were able to do in the ring. Every move mattered. Which moves the, did they do? I, I, you know what? It, it, I forget. Every movement mattered. Every counter mattered. Every headlock mattered. Every punch, like everything mattered in that match. You don't remember any moves because they really didn't do any moves. You remember the story, though. You remember the moments that were recreated. You remember how you felt when that match was over. You couldn't tell me about any moves. You know why? They didn't do any moves. Yeah, power slam, maybe a DDT. They didn't do dick in that match. It's a danger. But it was the most it's memorable match of the night. How do you pull that, that off? That's called the art of working. That's working. Yes. 
And I really, it set me off early because of the tweets that I would, not only the tweets, but these quote unquote journalists saying that Dustin Rhodes is too slow for this type of a match. No, Dustin Rhodes is what's needed in that type of a match because he's actually selling what's going on in the ring. And honestly, that match at NXT, the main event, the women's main event, I've seen a lot of great selling from Sasha and Bailey. Now, they had to work, a, you want to say they had to work a different style? Okay. They have to work at different stuff. But that doesn't mean you cannot sell. I said this to you, Bully. It reminded me of when we were kids on, on Channel 5 when we were kids. They had Kung Fu Theater on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. That's what a lot of this is looking at. It's like kick, kick, punch. Oh, bop. You know, there's no, there's no selling or registering. It's just move after move after move after move after move after move. Counter, counter. Anticipation, anticipation. What do I do next? You see it in their faces. You see it in their faces that they're waiting for the next movement. They'll wait, react, 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 sell. So this is supposed to be a fight. This is supposed to be a, a wrestling match. You get counters. I, 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 I don't understand it. And, and I what? guess, and, I'm, and, I'm, and the reason why I'm bringing it up, Bully, because this is where I want the nation to take part in this conversation. Because judging from social media, I'm in the minority here. I'm in the minority here. Judging from social media, I'm the old guy in the room. But the I, problem I, I, I is, point something okay, out. I want to point ahead. something out about other old guys that you mentioned, okay? Because you feel like you're the old guy in the room, but I want to show you two other old guys that'll help pre- prove your point. Everybody on social media, you said we're saying that Dustin is entirely too slow for that tag match, right? Yes. Dustin's not too slow. Those other guys are working too fast. Slow down. I'm not telling you to slow down to a crawl. Slow down and make something matter. Make everything matter. Make every move matter by registering it correctly or selling it correctly. Not going a million miles a minute. A million miles a minute is only going to be good for the sprint, not for the long haul. And when I say the sprint, I'm talking about the company's life expectancy. So Dustin's working the right speed, the speed that draws money, the speed that the art form calls for secondly jr a a couple of weeks ago uh not a couple weeks so last week somebody said to me on social media bully how come jr is burying the referees that's not his job to bury the referees and i treated treated the guy back and said jr is talking about the referees because jr knows that it's so bad with the referees not adhering to the rules or adhering to the counts or anything that a referee should be doing, that JR now feels the need to protect his own credibility because JR knows this should not be happening in, in front happening in front of my face. And as JR the Hall of Famer, I should be calling this shit out. So he tries to call it out in the nicest way possible. He's not burying the ref. He's trying to protect himself because JR knows damn effing Skippy that it's wrong. It's scary that people don't realize that. And 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 listen, they don't bully. know any better. They're they're brought up on spot fest wrestling, not storytelling wrestling. 
they but there, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, go I, ahead. I don't mean to, because this is not even just like, all right, old guy, you know, you know, Dave's bringing up names from 25 years ago. What about the names now? I'll, I'll give you an example of a match that I really liked, okay? And I'm not just saying this because he was a guest on this show just a few weeks ago on our Monday spot, but I really enjoyed Cody Rhodes and Ricky Starks. Go back and watch that match. Look at the expressions on their faces. Like, you know, Cody Rhodes is still a relatively young wrestler. Ricky Starks is a very young wrestler. I thought they did a tremendous job. And you want to know something? Ricky Starks, you know, coming in here and getting this opportunity, if I felt it with him in the ring. He felt like a guy that, you know what, was, you know, on a Get Yourself Over Monday just a couple weeks ago. Now he finds himself on national TV in the ring with Cody Rhodes. I felt that from Ricky Starks. I saw him register. I saw him sell. And I saw, like, you know, when he got the edge on Cody, like, just, just the excitement of him being able to get that from himself and I felt from Cody as the match progressed like holy shit I gotta turn it on here this kid's better than what I thought and they and and uh, Tony Schiavone and JR did a great job of like saying that Arn Anderson's like slow it down kid you're asking for too much each and every week let's get in it. it's almost like if you know what it felt like Rocky 3 you always bring up Rocky it was like Mickey talking to Sylvester Stallone and Rocky 3 it's like, hey, we're going to throw some guy at you that maybe doesn't deserve it, but you need to, you, you know, it's you know, let's not challenge Jake Hager every week. Let's throw out a Ricky Starks that you can easily beat. And then you know what? He got the, they told a great story last night between those two. That's going to get me invested, not only to watch the match bully, but to tune in each week, week in and week out. I love Cody Rhodes. He doesn't like me. I'm talking about the guy that I, I see in the ring. I wish Cody would stand up in that locker room and say, guys, take a page from my book here. Here's the problem. AEW doesn't have a bad guy in the back. There's nobody there sitting anybody down and telling them this is what you should be doing better. Yeah, maybe they get a little bit here and there, but they're not getting enough of it. Everybody is patting each other on the ass. And listen, I'm not talking about their backstage camaraderie. They're having a great time, yada, yada. That's all good. I'm happy to hear about how many wrestlers are happy to go to work. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear about that atmosphere backstage. That's awesome. But when it comes time to make money and the match is over and you come back, veterans should be pulling young guys on the side and say, this is what you did good. And here's what you could have done better. And young guys should be going to veterans and asking, what could I have done? How could I have tightened up my psychology? What could I did here? Instead, do you know what guys do? And I've been witnessing this firsthand for years and years. You know what they do right after their match? What's that? They run to their phone. Run to their phone to get on Twitter. To go see how fans reacted to their match on social media. As opposed to finding out how they could improve. Any veteran who wants to come on this show and challenge me on this. Because what happens with a lot of veterans today is they fall into the trap of doing 
the young guy's stuff because the veteran wants to be looked at as cool for doing the young guy's stuff. Now, somebody's going to say, well, bully, how come you did the Orange Cassidy spot in the ECW arena? You're damn right I did the Orange Cassidy spot because it worked. And then I took Orange Cassidy's head off. I did his stuff, and then he did my stuff, and we made it work together. I just didn't do the gratuitous, stupid, slow-motion kicks just for the sake of doing them. Just because so people on social media can go, oh, bully, so cool. He did the Orange Cassidy. That's bullshit. There's a way to make everything work. Everything. And anything can be pulled off in pro wrestling in a match. If you sell, register, and apply the right psychology to it. And these days, it's becoming abhorrent that the registering and selling is out the door. Bully, you were at Madison Square Garden when Jimmy Superfly Snooker jumped off the top of the cage on Don Morocco, right? Yes. All right. Memorable, right? One of your favorite memories, right? I mean, it's something that is etched in your brain. I mean, I actually, in the office at SiriusXM, I have a framed picture of a black and white photo of Jimmy Snook on top of that cage with the blood pouring down his face and his hands up. Why was it memorable? Because it's something that you've never seen before. How many times have we seen it now? Thousands of times. But I don't remember any of them. I remember the first time. It's not about the leap off the top of the cage. It's about like the story going in and it's about, wow, I've never seen this before. Once you've seen it and you see it over and over again, it's not memorable. I don't remember, you know, it's the same thing with Foley off the top of the cell. Why is it memorable? Because you'd never seen it before. Now you see it all the time. So if I see it on my TV next week, it's not going to be memorable. I'm, I'm going to forget about it. Why? Because we've seen it before. That's the point. A lot of the things that we're seeing, we, see it, we saw it last night. We saw it the week before. We saw it the week before that. And we saw it the week before that. It's not memorable anymore. But a good story is always memorable. Always memorable. Wrestlers should, always ask, you. wrestlers should always be asking themselves, are people going to remember me in 50 years? Yeah, they might, might remember you in five minutes, in 50 minutes, in 50 days. Are they going to remember you in 50 years? Are they going to be talking about your memorable matches in 50 years? How about moves? I know we got to take a break. How about moves? Yeah. Moves that are just done for the sake of being done that are not memorable anymore. Moves that used to be memorable. The DDT used to be memorable. The diamond cutter used to be memorable. Now, moves for the sake of moves. The DDT and the diamond cutter becoming as passe as a clothesline. And don't even get me started on the freaking Canadian Destroyer. Make it count. Make it believable. Make it, make it to, to that it's, you're going to win the match, for Christ's sake. Make That's me believe the- your lie. The goal of wrestling is to win. So you do whatever it takes to win. Not to look good. Not to make people say wow. But to win the match. Now all of a sudden wins and losses don't matter. 
The Yak and Barack Show. When your first step to resolve something is go to social media or to go to a public forum to vent, I think that just makes you take two steps backwards in even trying to resolve it in the first place. You know, so I just think not just boxing media, boxing promoters, and boxers should refrain from letting social media be the place we you know where we hold court. Weekdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156. I do want to start, and I kind of I kind of touched a little bit on it. And we're going to get to NXT. Don't worry about it. There's a lot to get into with NXT, especially the announcements of what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks when it comes to that NXT championship and the North American championship bully. Very excited about that. But when it comes to AEW, there are some things that I absolutely loved from AEW, Bully, and I want to get your take before we get to the phones. One, Britt Baker. Uh, how they're using Britt Baker now, she's been injured. And we've seen it in the past with wrestlers that are just too damn good. And when they get injured, you don't want to lose them. You need to keep them on TV. Bully, the way they're using Britt Baker right now, she is so entertaining. And now we're seeing like that other side of Britt Baker that's just going to make her a bigger star when she finally is all healed up and is able to get back into the ring. Thoroughly entertained by her delivering the messages to Shivani. Amazing. It's as I think Shivani is smitten with Britt Baker. I think there's there there's like an underlying story there where like you know like whatever Britt wants, whatever Britt wants. I think Britt's got Tony by the is pulling Tony's heartstrings. You yeah. know, not in real life, within story. You know, within the show. Um, I like the the big swole thing. You know, the whole Steve Austin. You know, driving the car, blah blah blah, driving the golf cart, the dumpster. Was phenomenal. I, I laugh out loud. Funny. Laugh out was, loud. Funny. And and props to I don't know what she calls herself now. Re, she was rebel in uh, rebel in <laughs> yeah. TNA. Well, because, because because Britt doesn't know her name, which okay. is fantastic. Props to her for playing off Britt so well, and, and like like when Britt said. Tell, told her to do it, something with the phone that she yelled at her, like, call now. And the phone flipped up into the air and then she yes. wanted, she, she didn't know what to do with herself. It's very entertaining. The reason I like it is because everything that Brit is doing, she lets it breathe. She'll say something and then she'll give the pause to let people react. And people are not even there to react. She knows that the people at home are reacting. It's not like joke after joke after joke where you're, you know, oh, oh my God, that was so funny. And then you're laughing so much you didn't hear the next joke. Everything is coming out in a good cadence. So I, I love the underlying tones of Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker. Like Tony in, almost interrupting commentary to say, wait, 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 we, we got a note from Britt. We got we, we to read this from Britt. You know, we got to read it now. So very entertaining. Yes, I thought that was fantastic. You just mentioned her, um, Big Swole. Like, this is somebody, you know, you've seen her a lot on AEW Dark. She had a big match Tuesday night that she won. Um, she actually was complaining uh, on social media about the rankings because of all the wins, you know, where she are, where she is in the rankings. And I thought that was kind of cool because it brings that realism element that wins and losses matter. Hey, you're telling me wins and losses matter. Where am, where am I on the rankings right now? I think that's kind of cool. And she is completely entertaining. Another thing that AEW is doing well, 
NFL that you mentioned before, Bully. They're taking their younger talent and they're making them into stars. And I think Big Swole is another example of that. Uh, yeah, I need to see a little bit more, but uh, I thought the segment last night was entertaining. The one thing I mentioned this earlier, the one thing that I thought I think AEW has been doing a good job of is peppering in their younger talent, younger talent that have might have only had a name on the indie scene. Here, let's take a case of top tier younger talent, MJF. Yeah. MJF was in MLW. He's working high end indies. People knew about MJF, but AEW has taken him. And allowing him to get to the next level with the exposure that they've given him. Let's take somebody, let's take some completely unknowns, like we mentioned earlier, an Anna J or an Abaddon. Gave them the opportunity last night. The package on Anna J worked. When that package was over, the first thing I said to myself is, this girl can be a star for AEW. And if I'm saying that to myself after a video package, you must have done something right. Now I see Abaddon, who I have no freaking clue who she is. And I'm like, wow, I really like this presentation. This girl looks like a sick, twisted, demented, you know, freak show. Great. Now she comes in the ring and she gets to win over the girl that they just in invested time and money in the package in. I know. Whoa, what's going on here? Scratching my head. That's great. They got both of them over. Because they let it play out. It wasn't too much. It wasn't overkill. Here's this girl. Here's this girl. Here's the match. Here's the finish. Let's move forward. I thought it was a great, I thought they did a great job with that. That whole segment went really, really well. Like you said, I'm invested in somebody who actually lost the match. And again, that's not going to make me lose my investment at all. Not at all. And, and the move that Abaddon won with that that Rana, one girl, the one girl's on her knees, and then and, and then Abaddon hit the Rana, and and the girl face planted. Do you know how many times I've seen that move used for absolutely no, just for the sake of doing it? Hundreds. Last night it was a finish. Loved it, and it meant Took something, man. Correct. Wow. She took an, an absolute unknown in my eyes. Got me with her entrance, got me with her finish. Excellent she got, job. Last night, she got over in my eyes. Here's a girl that I couldn't tell you who the hell she was, Abaddon. Now I know her name, now I know her finish. She is emblazoned herself. She got over with me in the span of five minutes, and that's how it's done. AEW set her up for success, and she knocked it out of the park. To the point, Bully, like the next time she's on my TV, she has my attention. The next time they announce that she has a match on TV, I'm going to make sure I'm in front of my TV to watch that match. Didn't matter about all the moves and what happened. It was the presentation. It's how she finished the match. That's, that's what now has me invested in wanting to see her again on my TV. And here's the crazy thing. I'm not quite so sure that AEW wanted you to be thinking about Abaddon after the match. Actually, I take that back. Yes, they did. But they did a great job last night in making me remember both ladies. I now want to see Anna. Listen, the package with Anna Jay was about her climb. She wants to be a good wrestler, blah, blah, blah. She wants to make it to the top. She's going to try really hard. I trained, blah, yada, 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 yada. And she's got a good look. Now I want to see her journey. Now, next time I see Abaddon, I want to see her, you know, eat somebody's guts. 
It's awesome. And then I, I, I brought it up before, but I'll bring it up again. Cody and Ricky Starks. We had Ricky Starks on a few weeks ago on Get Yourself Over Monday. He was on NWA, but yet he still wanted to have that opportunity to come on our show to get known on a national platform. And last night he was on another national platform and going up against Cody Rhodes. And this is where, like, again, Ricky Starks, go back and watch that man. This guy is, what, in wrestling for a cup of coffee compared to to a lot of other people, the the way he sold the expressions on his face, I, I it was amazing. And this is where I give Cody. There was like a trip up, and Cody fell like onto the ropes. Okay, see it all the time. The difference is Cody was selling it. He couldn't breathe because his ribs hit the ropes. And you hear all the how many times have we heard in documentaries and everything else how much those rope ropes hurt. Right? And then he fell, couldn't protect himself, fell, you know, ribs first on those ropes. And he was selling that where he couldn't breathe. And then what does Ricky Starks do? Takes advantage of it. I, I, I thought that was a wonderful match between Ricky Starks and Cody Rhodes to the point where Cody, we already know, but now I want to see Ricky Starks again. This is where, again, you didn't need to win a match to get over. This is, again, like Rocky. You didn't need to win, but you know what? You held your own for almost 10 minutes against the face of the franchise, Cody Rhodes. We always talk about getting over and going over. Um, Ricky Starks may not have gone over in the match, but he got over enough with Tony Khan that Tony Khan gave him a contract. Last night, Tony Khan basically he, he took to social media and he said, hey, you didn't get the win, but you impressed me enough to put a deal in front of your face. Boom. That means more than the win. Ricky Starks got over in Tony Khan's eyes so much that they offered him a deal. That's the idea. And this is why I preach getting over is so much more important than going over. There are so many things that younger wrestlers need to accept as fact that has worked in the business for hundreds of years. Like if you if certain wrestlers would learn how to sell more in the ring, they wouldn't have to sell so much at their gimmick table. Yeah. You get the point? Yep. They're, they're, they're selling so much at that gimmick table because they need to make, make a buck. Well, if you sold more in the ring, you'd be making more than a buck. Getting back to like the moves not meaning anything. I saw something last week and it kind of slipped my mind, but then I saw it again last uh, I saw it again last night and it just it bothered the crap out of me. Tegan Knox doing a choke slam. How tall is Tegan Knox? Not very tall. Approximately. 5'2". All right. Right? Why is anybody 5'2 doing a choke slam? Let's give her 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, okay. Why fine. would anybody 5'5 five, five or 5'6 five, be doing a choke slam? I have no idea. Why is Tegan Knox from the inside of the ring choke slamming Sasha Banks while she's on the apron to the floor? How? How is that even remotely physically possible? How am I supposed to suspend my disbelief on that? Uh, Now, can The Undertaker do it? Absolutely. Could Kane do it? Absolutely. Could Big Show do it? Absolutely. Could Baron Corbin do it? Absolutely. Could Charlotte Flair do it to a smaller female wrestler? Absolutely. Could um, Tamina Snooker do it? Absolutely. 
Why is Tegan Knox doing a choke slam? What's the point? And, and just just for clarification, Tegan Knox is five six. Sasha Banks is five five. So she's got an inch on Sasha Banks. So a why are you slam. doing a choke slam? A choke slam. You know, whenever uh, younger wrestlers ask me if they could do, do you think they'd ask me, Bubba, is it okay if I do this move? And I always say to them, Well, could you do the move? Like, in real life, if you had to really do the move, could you do the move or even half of the move? Do you think there's a chance in hell that in reality, Tegan Knox could grab Sasha Banks by the throat and then grab her by, the, by, by, the, by her gear and get her up off the ground? It's a yes or no question. Nope then you shouldn't be doing it in the ring. Once again, it's the, a move for the sake of doing a move. And now it becomes a move that is completely unbelievable. I would have much rather have seen Tegan Knox run down the length of the run down the length of the ring, clothesline Sasha Banks, and then Sasha could have bumped onto the two girls on the floor. You would have gotten the same end result, same mileage, instead of a choke slam that looked like crap because it shouldn't be happening in the first place. That was just an example. We started the show with it. That was just an example of just, we're going to throw everything at the wall. Everything. We're taking everything. All the stuff that you guys love, we're throwing it. We're going to put it out there. But again, half of it didn't make any logical sense. So if it doesn't make logical sense, that's where you lose me. Not a camera angle. A camera angle doesn't lose me. Is it a distraction for a second? Yes. But when you do moves like some of the moves that we saw during the course of that main event on NXT last night, that's how you lose people. That's how you lose people. And it takes seconds to come up with something different. Seconds. And, 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 and I'll take that moment in time, the Tegan Knox choke slam on Sasha. I blame three people, Tegan Knox, Sasha Banks, and whoever the producer was, because all three of them should have known better, including the producer who probably has more years than anybody else there, Sasha Banks, because she's the vet, and, Te- and then Tegan Knox last, because she's the younger. Somebody should have said no. Somebody should have been like, wait a minute, choke slam? You're 5'6". If you want to choke slam somebody that's four foot five, different story. It just doesn't make sense. And if you go back and you watch the move, it did not look very good. She basically goozles her by the throat and throws her backwards. What, what's the point? We could, we could put our thinking caps on and in five seconds while we're going over the match, come up with something that makes a lot more sense than a choke slam. She used it in the pay-per-view also. In the opening match of uh, In Your House, in the, in the, th- in the three-way tag. And I remember seeing it, I'm like, why is this girl doing a choke slam? It doesn't make sense. It's beyond the realm of believability. There's Some that other word veteran, again. Uh, another, a vet, a vet, another veteran would come on and go, oh, come on, Bubba, oh, come on, Bubba. It's just a move, it's just a move. Yeah, you're right. It's just a move that doesn't belong. I, I don't believe anybody can come up with an argument for why a forget about Tegan Knox. I don't know about anybody who could come up with a, a good reason why a five foot six athlete should be doing a choke slam to somebody who is their same size. I know. 
And and you know, if you want again, I'll throw if it was Charlotte doing like Charlotte's almost six feet tall. So if Charlotte was doing it with somebody that was like five two, then I get it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Sasha's five five, Knox is five six, that's an inch there. Doesn't make a lot of difference and it doesn't make a lot of logical sense. And again, it's doing it for the sake of just doing it. Because really, when you look back at it, you caught it because why did you catch it, Bully? You caught it because it's not believable. But anybody else, it's just another move. Doesn't really mean a lot. And I bet you if we go back in time, we could probably find Kane choke slamming the big show or or Taker choke slamming the big show. People are gonna say, well, big show's bigger. How come Kane and Taker could do it? Because their characters have been built up to the level of it is believable that they could muster up a choke slam and actually make it mean something. I'm sorry, but Tegan Knox choke slamming somebody is not believable. Tegan Knox is very talented. I'm sure that she could come up with a move or a producer could help her come up with a move that makes more sense. That would be more logical to her wrestling repertoire. The biggest names in the combat sports world are on MMA Tonight. Cody Garbrandt joins us. I got to the title fast under two years in the UFC, won a world championship, trailblazed through the top. This time is going to be way more generous, way more sacrifice. And I just said, are you prepared to throw it all in and erase the last few years and what happened and go from there? Once I had that hard part with myself and, and stopped really making excuses or just got back to the hard work, I mean, the simplest form of hard work pays off. Happy to be back, excited to have those feelings back inside the octagon, back to loving it and, and just working hard for it. Tuesday through Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. I mean, I know, like, especially you, Bully, you have such a great eye uh, when it comes to pro wrestling. You know, uh, just, you know, how to make things better, the little things that really enhance stuff. And again, I think in hour two, you bringing up certain segments we saw on NXT and AEW that I thought they did very, very well. And these critiques, I I think, are just going to help the world of pro wrestling. And that's what we want at the end of the day. Is it good? Of course it's good. It's not bad, but it could be better. And I I love the critiques that you've been given today after a Wednesday night of action last night. And I appreciate that, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are taking what I say just the way Izzy took the way you're saying. Oh, bully's spouting off at the mouth. Oh, there he goes again. Blah, blah, blah. He thinks he knows this or he thinks he knows that. Everything I'm saying is dead on balls accurate. And I'll get in a room with any veteran on my level higher or any younger guy than me, and I'll present my case, and I will prove why I am right about everything that I am saying. And I can back it up with facts, and I can back it up with history. Constructive criticism, it works. Everybody can get better. The worst thing wrestlers can do for one another is constantly blow smoke up each other's asses. The worst thing that veterans can do for younger wrestlers is only blow smoke up their ass and never tell them the things that they can do to do better. And the worst thing a young wrestler could do is blow off that veteran when they're giving them great advice. Now, I don't know if this is across the board, but I can just say here where my daughter goes to school on our report cards back in the day, whether it was grade school or high school, even in college, there was something on our progress reports and report cards that said being able to take constructive criticism. Like you are actually like, you know, because the teachers are going to give you constructive criticism. You're actually graded on how you could handle constructive criticism and that's like a lost art now and i don't see it 
you know, when I, when I look at the grades of my daughter. Now, Mr. Alvarez, who is one of my daughter's teachers, might call me later because he's a diehard uh, fan of this show. So he might correct me, but at least I'm not seeing it. But that was something that we were critiqued on when, when it came to our school grades, being able to handle constructive criticism, having somebody come up to you like a teacher saying, hey, you need to do this better. Why are you doing it this way? You should do it that way. Now, obviously, Bully and I are not cursing at anyone. We're not pointing our finger at anyone. We're not saying this person. If I came on the air and I said, you know what? So-and-so sucks. He's fucking terrible. He's the drizzling shits. Boy, I sound like Ole Anderson there. He's, uh, he's the shits. Uh, but Bully and I aren't doing that. Bully and I aren't doing that at all. Just like teachers. What do the teachers say to students? I see the potential in you. I know you can do better. Bully and I are doing the same. Everybody that we saw in the ring on AEW and NXT last night, we know are talented and work their asses off. We know that. Bully, being the veteran, not only a veteran, a Hall of Famer, is saying, hey, I would do this a little bit differently. Why don't we see more of that? Boy, you could get to the next level if you did this. Hey, that's coming from a Hall of Famer, man. You know what, Dave? Screw the Hall of Famer. The Hall of Famer doesn't mean it doesn't mean a damn thing when it comes to the critiquing. It's somebody that understands wrestling psychology because I learned from the best psychologists in the business. So the Hall of Fame thing is nice, yada yada yada. Thanks for stroking me off for a second. I'm not but stroking you it, off. I'm stating a fact. Yeah, but when it comes in the context, so what? I'm a Hall of Famer. Big deal. It's the fact that I understand the psychology and the, the fact that, listen, there are guys that are not in the Hall of Fame that understood the psychology of wrestling really well that I would recommend that younger wrestlers listen to. Okay, I'm just bringing up the point that if somebody like you and I, I'm, I came up to me, if I'm a young wrestler and, you know, came up to me and said, hey, I think you could do this a little bit better. I, I, I would listen. I, I would think I would listen to that. Hey, I've taken, I have taken as a talk show host a lot of constructive criticism from people who have been doing it longer from me. But also, like you said, Bully, we have Mike Mayer and Gabby who have been in this fucking industry for a cup of coffee. When we go into break, I'm asking them, hey, what did you think of that segment? Hey, Mike, what? hey, should I do this? Or I'm asking, I want that. I want that. And, and I'm... I've been in radio for 20 years and I'm asking them, what did you think and what can I do better? But bully, you're, you're the veteran. Okay. The example I'm saying is you're the veteran, you're the hall of famer, you're the experienced wrestler. I'm the fan. So what I'm saying is coming from being a fan. I am not a quote unquote pro wrestling journalist, nor do I pretend to be. I actually said that to Tommy. Tommy said that on the air to me yesterday. He goes, Dave, you're supposed to be a journalist. No, I'm not. I never claimed to be a pro wrestling journalist. I am a radio talk show host. I Man. come on Kate the air, like uh, I, I, yeah, horrible. I come on, I come on the air, and I say, I, I react to what I saw the night before. I try to be entertaining. I'm a talk show host. I am not Dave Melt, and I, I'm not disrespecting these people. I'm just saying that my job is not similar to their job. My job is different. So I am not trying to come up with 
something that's going to make headlines on on an internet site. I am just trying to do entertaining radio for you, the nation, and with my tag team partner today, Bully, or Tommy, or Mark Henry. That's my job. So I am speaking, and I, Bully... Tell me if I'm wrong. I never claim to be more than this. I am, when it comes to pro wrestling, bully, and let me say this again when it comes to pro wrestling, I am just a fan. I am just a fan of pro wrestling. Now, I, I, my career is talking on the air about it, and I'm lucky to have a lot of relationships with people who actually do it. But at the end of the day, I am strictly just a fan. So when I come on the air, I'm giving the fans perspective. I am saying that I got more from Abaddon last night than I did from Kenny Omega. I got more from Ricky Starks last night than I got from the Young Bucks. I am not saying that it's not criticism. I am not coming on here and saying I hate the Young Bucks or I hate Kenny Omega. On the contrary, I love Kenny Omega. But I'm just saying, from judging from the show that I saw last night, I got a lot more from the debuts from AEW than the people that I've seen from week to week. That is just me speaking as a fan. That's it. That's your opinion. That's end of story. Yes. You as the fan say that, and me as the, as the pro agree with you. Completely. And also, too, Bully, can I, can I say this? Yeah. From the conversation that started today, this was not initiated by Bully. Now, I know Bully a lot on Thursdays. He gives those critiques on, you know, if I had the pencil, this would I what I have done. And I love when he does it. The fans love it, too. This conversation was initiated by me. Bully was completely planning on just talking about what we were going to, what we saw last night on AEW and NXT. I actually was so upset about about some of the things that I saw last night that Bully's like, hey man, you should you should bring this up on the air. This was not initiated by Bully. It was initiated by the fan, you know, recreation-wise, watching AEW and NXT from last night. And I'm not shitting on AEW and NXT. What's the first thing we said at the top of the show about the two shows last night? We liked them. They were entertaining. They grabbed our attention. Uh, You know, my wife made the joke about me losing the remote control. You know what? I'll admit, I watched AEW from beginning to end last night. Why? Because they did not give me a reason to turn the show off. So I had to watch NXT after AEW last night. Why? Because AEW did a great job. The only time I switched over was during the breaks. But during the actual show, now, if you want to say it was too much and they threw too much at you, they didn't let segments breathe, I'll give you that. But they kept me entertained enough, just like Raw on Monday. Was everything great on Raw on Monday? Absolutely not. But they weren't boring, and they grabbed my attention. AEW and, and NXT were able to do that for me last night. You talked about younger wrestlers and veterans and taking constructive criticism well. One of the things that I have always despised is a younger wrestler who goes to the veteran and asks for their opinion just because they're trying to come off humble or like they really appreciate the veteran's knowledge just to go and take that knowledge and wipe their ass with it. So many times I have seen younger wrestlers go up to a veteran and a veteran will say, they'll say, hey, what did you think about this? And and the veteran will say, "Uh, you should not have done that side headlock takeover in the match. 
You don't do it that well. Maybe you should stay away from it. And then the younger wrestler goes, oh, my God, you're right. You're right. I'm not going to do it. And then in the very next match, that younger wrestler does the side headlock takeover. Shame on that younger wrestler. And listen, we've all been there. Make the mistake once. You make it more than once. Now you're not learning. Now you're not progressing. And mistakes are going to happen in wrestling all the time. Sometimes they happen just because they're mistakes, and sometimes they happen because of incompetence. I despise incompetence in life, and I despise incompetence in the wrestling business. I don't tolerate it well. Younger wrestlers, and you know what? This could be an older wrestler also. If a guy that's working for 20 years goes up to a guy that's working for 25 years and he appreciates their opinion, you should take their advice and heed it. You went to them. They did not come to you. So enough enough of that little backstage stuff that goes on, you know, the talking amongst wrestlers. The bottom line is we were entertained. AEW throws so much shit at you every second of the the show, every minute of the show, that it's hard to turn away because you're not quite sure what's going to happen next. And you almost, you don't want to miss out on anything that happens live. They're, they're, I don't know if I said this at the beginning of the show on the air or we were talking off the air, but it's a very Russo-esque men, uh, way of writing a show. You pack as much in as you possibly can. People are saying right now, oh my God, Bully's comparing Vince Russo and AEW. No, I'm comparing the mentality of writing a show. That's what Russo did with Attitude Era WWE, and that's what Russo did with TNA when he was the booker. He packed as much shit into every second of the show so you could not pick up your remote control and change the channel. And everybody can bitch and moan about Vince Russo all they want when it comes to that mentality of his writing uh, uh, frame of mind. He was right. And it worked. You know why it worked? Because numbers don't lie. Numbers are right there. Listen, Vince Russo packed a lot of shit into a lot of segments. But people stuck around and they watched that shit. Yeah, and, and, and listen, AEW was everything on that show last night, a home run? Absolutely not, but it grabbed my attention and it made me not change the channel. And when you have competition like AEW has right now, you can't afford to lose your viewership. Let's go out to Ryan in Buffalo. What's going on, Ryan? What do you want to say about Ricky Starks, man? So, can you guys hear me okay? We hear you fine, brother. Fantastic. So, uh... First off, I just wanted to say it's awesome that you be on the air. I've been working overnight for the last couple months, so getting up at 9 a.m. to listen to the show has been kind of hard, but did it today for you guys. Um, so Ricky starts last night. I think one of the most important things was that little minute video where he kind of walked into frame, sat down, and gave Cody his story. Because, like, I've listened to the show. I heard Ricky about a month ago on Get Yourself Over Monday, and – at that point, I'd never heard of him, so I knew a little bit about him, but it was awesome to have that for maybe a fan that doesn't know anything about him, where I watch NXT when Sami Zayn challenged John Cena. I knew who he was, but I think a lot of the fans at home didn't, 
And to just throw a guy in a match, even though it was a great match against Cena, you didn't get his story. So you might not have been as invested as much. Um, where with Ricky Starks, for a fan who didn't know who he was, even for that minute, you got a little bit of his story. And then you get the awesome match. You get the whatever that was, 10, 15-minute match, where, like you guys love to say, and it's true, Cody went over, Ricky got over. And he got a contract. He got Tony Khan shouting him out on Twitter, which I think is, I, I'm going to guess the <laughs> AEW equivalent of Triple H posting the photo with you where he points at you after the show. Uh, Ricky Starks and, and Ryan, thank you so much for the phone call. I mean, the, Ricky Starks made the best of his opportunity last night. And you're right in the fact that that vignette helped. Getting to know his story helped because if you didn't get that vignette, Bully, then he would have been just a guy. You probably, if you didn't know who Ricky Starks was, was like, all right, this is just enhancement talent for Cody to beat on AEW Dynamite. But by giving that little vignette, and it wasn't long, but it was enough to tell the guy's story, not everybody watches, you know, NWA Power. Not everybody would know who he is. Hell, judging from social media, it, it seems like a lot more people knew him from Get Yourself Over Monday than they did from NWA Power. We had Lagana on this show. We had Billy Corgan on this show. I asked them both the same question. Who's the young guy? Who's the next guy? They both said Ricky Starks. Now, Ricky Starks, to give him credit, said, hey, I'm, I'm a champion on NWA Power. Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana praise me up and down. Do I really need to go over on, on a segment on Busted Open where they're talking to a lot of wrestlers that nobody knows about? Fuck, he didn't take it that way. Ricky Stark said, you know what? That's not enough. I'm sitting at home. Let me take advantage of this situation. He reached out to us. He reached out to us wanting to come on. I'll, I'll even take it a step further. Nobody even tweeted at us to say Ricky Starks. Why? Because you see him every week on NWA Power. Ricky Starks reached out to me and said, can I come on, get yourself over Monday? And it took me back. Why? He's already over. He's a champion on NWA. No, he knew the value of national radio and this show. Just because somebody knows me on one platform, why don't I want to be known on another platform? And I'm not saying because he came on this show is the reason why he was on AEW Dynamite. Maybe it was. I don't know. But there he is on AEW Dynamite in the ring with Cody Rhodes. That's a guy I want to get behind and root for, Bully. Ricky Starks got over. End of story. Got himself a job. You got to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. What song is that line from? It sounds like a Billy Joel song. Dream on, Aerosmith. Come on, kid. You got to be quick on this show. See, my rock and roll knowledge is more than your rock and roll knowledge, and I will house you any day of the week. Ricky Starks got over. That's it. Ricky Starks did the number one thing every wrestler should aspire to do. Impress an owner so much that they are forced to put a contract in front of you. 
forced as in I want this guy now because I want him so bad, A, and B, I don't want anybody else to have him. Turn their head, make them look twice, force them to push you, force them to book you, force them to sign you, force them to pay you a million dollars. Great job, Ricky Starks. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.